back to Moozy Bracketology, everyone. Tonight, we are working on the last bracket in the female-fronted horror movies, breaking down the round of 64. We are looking at the 2010 to current. I am your host, Sarah, horror movie aficionado, here with some other lovely friends of mine. I want to start it off from the man that you pay shipping for when you order him from Wish.com. Steven, how are you tonight and what are you drinking? Oh, you fools, it doesn't matter what you pay for shipping, it's still going to take six months to get me. Nope, today I'm going to go ahead. Worth the wait every time. It will arrive late and not be the color you ordered it in. But I'm having a delicious <laughs> Cherry Coke Zero Sugar. Because I deserve a cherry. And this just makes me wonder. They keep changing the flavor of Coca-Cola Zero. They never change the flavor of Cherry Coke Zero. I love that crisp can snap from your Cherry Coke. Cheers to you, my friend. Our next guest is Minda, one of the hosts of the Dead Girls Talking podcast. It's so great to see you. How are you tonight, and what are you drinking? Um, water, and I'm filled with joy and radiance. Thanks for having me. I love me. that. Absolutely. We're all filled with joy and radiance and Jerry Coke, to be clear. Our next guest is horror aficionado and author, Isabel Drake. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, tonight, I'm drinking more of the box that I was drinking last time I was hanging out with you guys. Um, a Franzia box wine that promises to be bold and jammy. And I don't know that it is those things, but I'm drinking it anyway and having a good time. Do you feel bold and jammy? Because I feel bold and jammy. I do. I do. What do they it's call all box wines? Cardboard <laughs> <laughs> Good point. That's a good point. That brings us to our next guest, Jenna, one of the hosts of the Dead Girls Talking podcast. How are you tonight, and what are you drinking? I'm feeling bold and jammy, um, and I am tucking into some tap water right now, uh, ready to give some unqualified opinions on people's life's work. If there's one thing we love, it is unqualified opinions. Speaking of unqualified opinions... Just kidding, just kidding. Chris, my friend, how are you tonight, and what are you drinking? I am doing well, I am doing bold, and I am wearing my jammies. I really kind of <laughs> wish I was in my Batman onesie, but your brother still has that. I have got, in honor of the uh, the women from the Dead Girls Talking podcast, I have got a Midnight Black IPA, and this is from... Yeah, guessed it. Dirtbag Ales in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, not an IPA guy. This is freaking delicious. This is my last one of the four pack that I brought back for me when I was up there. And uh, I, 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 I love it. I love it. I love it almost as much as I love horror movies this time of year. I'm happy to hear that you found a good IPA. That's the diamond in the rough. And honestly, speaking of horror, you do not want that Batman onesie pack. I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope all of you are feeling bold and jammy as we get through the last portion of this bracket, narrowing down the 2010 to current. We're going to jump right in and get started with my personal favorite, the number one seed, 
Babadook going against the number 16 seed, Happy Death from 2017. Steven, start us off. So, uh, Babadook, best Australian-based horror movie since The Howling 3, The Marsupials. Not a long list there. Happy Death Day, stupid concept, amazing film. Happy Death Day knows exactly what it is. It leans into it. It's fun. It's exciting. Is it scary? Hell no, but I still love to watch it. At the end of the day, though, it's going up against Baba Duke, and Baba Duke is a legitimate great movie. And the trick to Baba Duke is the stupid toothache. The main character of that film has a toothache for most of the film, and is never really brought to the forefront. We just see her picking at it. We see her problems. Eventually, she loses that tooth. But that's like a catalyst to clue us in that maybe the Duke is just a psychosis on her mind. Maybe it's the stress finally breaking her. Maybe it's a monster. I can't prove it's not a monster. It could be a legitimate guy in the really weird gloves and a top hat that's haunting her and making that creepy-ass book that keeps showing up. Or she could be have a psychotic break, but that toothache in the background where we just see her, not only is her life getting tougher and tougher, but she's always in pain. We all had a toothache. We know what that feels like, where it's just this constant throbbing pain in the back of your mind that you can't get away. And the fact that they included that little detail and are smart enough not to make a huge deal of it, just to make us aware of it in the background, lets us get into that character's mindset so we know what she's going through. So we know that this could just be a psychosis inside of her that's eating away or it could be a monster, and it's genuinely scary no matter which interpretation you take. That movie is smart. That movie is well shot. I do love Happy Death Day. I think it's way underrated as a 16th seed, but the Babadook all the way. All right. Two thanks are bitches. Uh, but that is one vote for Babadook. Uh, Minda, what's your thoughts? I like Happy Death Day because I'm really into that whole Groundhog Day situation. You know, living it over and over until she solves the thing. I like that. I don't, I, you know, it was, it was a tough one on this one. Um, but I feel like Happy Death Day for me was just more fun. And that's a vote for Happy Death Day. Isabel, we have a 1-1 tie. What are your thoughts on these two? The Bob Duke for a lot of reasons. One of them is I think that kid is amazing at being kind of annoying. And by kind of annoying, I mean probably to the mom really annoying to the point where she's like why can't you just be normal and the way that other girls ladies you know at the party shun her and that just makes her life even worse so that lady is she's under a um yeah toothache and real life ache and i have a lot to say about that's one of my favorite movies so that one's my pick it's another vote for baba 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 duke jenna let's hear from you I gotta go Happy Death Day. I think I went into the Babadook with excessively high expectations. I appreciated Chekhov's toothache. That was creepy. Two things I find excessively creepy. I wish they hadn't shown as much. I think that's where it kind of lost me. Like I didn't, I didn't need to, I didn't need to see that much of the monster. Um, Happy Death Day was fun. I didn't find, I mean, I, I didn't find the concept terribly stupid. Um, I kind of, it had a, it had a terrible sequel, but that movie itself explored something that I think was fundamentally interesting. There was a, a growth art there. I know what it's like to wake up in the same romper 
day after day. <laughs> um, so yeah, that movie spoke to me. I'm giving it to Happy Death Day. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first tiebreaker situation. It is the number one seed versus the number 16 seed. I always love it when this happens. Chris, my friend, you're the deciding factor on this one. What do you have to say? Now, before we do that, Sarah, let's let's open it up for a buzzer beater. If anybody would like to try and sway me one way or another. I see, Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is the buzzer beater. Does anyone... Want to pop in with the buzzer beater? I think it's a no. Take it away. So I, I kind of break my horror movies down into one of three kind of categories. And this isn't fair, but this is how I view things. There are horror movies that are just filled with existential dread. Where there's it's going to a bad place. There are horror movies that are horror movies, but they combine it with drama. that make the That make me genuinely care for the characters that I'm watching. And then there's horror movies that are just silly, but I love them. All three of those movies are represented on this portion of the bracket to an, to an extreme extent because Ari Aster's on here twice, and The Babadook is one of the epitomes of a horror movie that is scary, but you genuinely care for the characters. You love the characters. You feel so bad because it's... As someone who's had a one-year-old screaming, uh, there is sometimes there's nothing you can do to calm a child. There's nothing you you are completely, utterly powerless, and all you want to do is crawl up in a ball and cry. And then there's movies like Happy Death Day, which listen, it's a slasher movie. It's a really good slasher movie, and it shouldn't work. It is a dumb concept. But that lead actress, and I forget her name, is just so damn likable and so damn funny. I will go back and watch Happy Death Day more. But the the feeling I have watching the Babadook and knowing the emptiness I felt after watching it, I don't think will ever leave me. The Babadook has more staying power only seeing it once. The Babadook, to me, is a much better film. It should move along. That was a close call. But Babadook takes the win. Next up, we have our number eight seed, 2020's Invisible Man versus 2015 The Witch, which is the ninth seed. Minda, what are your thoughts? I really like The Invisible Man. You know, I don't know if it was like a great, wonderful film, but I found it enjoyable. I liked all the acting. You know, I just, it was a cool, it's it's a timeless concept. I mean, the original story came out in like 1897, and I like how they redid this and kept it going. So that's my vote. I don't know if it's an educated vote or super fly, but I really like The Invisible Man. One vote for The Invisible Man, Isabel. I like The Invisible Man too, or also um, going with The Witch because I thought that the subtle relationship between the mother and the daughter and um, the main character girl and the brother, I thought that was pretty compelling. I've had goats. To me, goats aren't really scary, but I could understand how a scary goat might be scary. Um, so I'm going with the witch just for those reasons. We have a one-to-one tie going in. Jenna. To me, the witch was one of the best horror movies of all time. Um, it is so subtle. The dialogue is lifted from actual texts from that 
17 something. It was like pre-colonial. Um, yeah, just the, it's, it's a coming of age thing. And it's this, like at the core of it, it's, it's this thing about how when your body starts changing, people stop trusting you. Um, and it is kind of like this, it's this possession metaphor. Um, everyone turns on her and she's changing and she can't help it. Um, and then at the end it, it turns into something where like maybe she really did sell her soul and there's some like actual life to it. You see this coven and the, just like the ending is oh, it's so good. The witch is so good. Um, I, I actually hated the invisible man. Um, just so much. Um, I thought Elizabeth Moss was very flat. Um, that thing at the end where it's like any kind of after, after fight club, any scene where people are revealed to be beating each other up and then one of them's not real is just, I can't not laugh at that. And I don't know how they took a topic as serious as spousal abuse and made it stupid. Um, I did not like that movie. It's a slam dunk for me. The witch. That's another vote for the witch. Chris, let's hear from you. Uh, Robert Eggers uh, makes movies that are, difficult to watch um the lighthouse being one of them which being the other the witch to me is a movie that marries a young up-and-coming actress to a, a role that can really launch her career and that's what it did anya taylor joy is now going to be a, if she's not already after queen's gambit is going to be a household name after uh is it last night in soho the new uh edgar wright film but she got she cut her teeth on the witch, and this is how scary the witch is to me. And I, I love horror movies, but it was genuinely unsettling because I can't play peekaboo with my daughter anymore. I can't because it to spoil spoilers in the witch she's playing peekaboo with her her newborn brother, and she closes her eyes, and the fifth fourth or fifth time she goes peekaboo, and the baby's gone. Out of nowhere. And it's creepy as hell. And the mother resents her. The mother resents the father for making them leave where they were living. And they find out the reason why. It's it's a scary movie, but it's got all this personal drama and angst that drives the story forward. Black Phillip and the witch itself is always there. But the movie centers around family drama. And that drama is real. It's palpable. The witch, to me, is... I don't want to say Daniel perfect filmmaking, but it's really, really good. If you can get past, if you can get past the dialogue, it's set, uh, like you said, uh, Jenna, it's set like, I think it's pre 1700s. I think it's like 1600s, like witch trial times, but it's set really, really early back when we were still a British colony. It's unsettling as hell. The witch to me is a better movie. I don't even need to talk about invisible man because the witch is a clear winner. The Witch is the clear winner because it is moving on. Steven, we still want to hear from you, though. Uh, first of all, everyone, it's called The Vavitch. Go ahead, take a look at it. It's The Vavitch. Uh, it's also by far the superior movie. Uh, the Invisible Man got decent reviews, but it got decent reviews because it was 2020, and we would have given anything new that came out. 2020, a positive review. We were just desperate for new entertainment. I mean, we all fell in love for Tiger King for two months. Let's be honest here. <laughs> no, uh, 
in the last podcast, I talked about how much I hated Paranormal Activity because it was three hours of boredom, or at least it felt like three hours of boredom, with a pop scare at the end that made no sense and didn't connect to anything. The Vavitch is the exact opposite of that. It is two hours of intense emotional buildup in this oppressive atmosphere with this wonderful twist ending, which isn't a pop scare, but makes the entire rest of the film so much more terrifying when you go back and remember it. It's a film that you leave thinking that was a good film, and then the next day you think about it again, you realize it was something just a little more terrifying, and it stays with you. It is such a brilliant film, and it's such a not reliant at all on jolting you or uh, startling you. It doesn't need to startle you at all. It needs to sink in and deeply affect you on a psychological level, and it pulls that off perfectly. Vavitch is a great film. Uh, The Invisible Man is not a good film. There has never been a good Invisible Man film. I'm sorry. All apologies to H.G. Wells. And Kevin Bacon. I'm pretty sure Kevin Bacon is only six steps away from H.G. Wells, if you think about it. That's true. I can't argue (laughs) with that logic. That is true. So, the Vavitch is moving on, and next round you guys have Babadook going against Vavavitch. So, that's an exciting round. But next... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next, we're moving on to the number five seed with Hush from 2016. Versus the number 12 seed, The Conjuring, from 2013. And Isabel, we want to hear from you first. So I'm I'm not sure if I missed something with Hush. Um, I'm not sure why it's number five, so maybe somebody's going to fill me in. But it seemed to me like the circumstances don't escalate. It's scary. She's at her house. It's scary. She's at her house. He's after her. He's after her. So maybe I'm missing something. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. The Conjuring does have a creepy doll, which is great. Creepy kids, which is also great. And there's, um, more story going on and things escalate and things get more complicated and there's more, more storiness. So I've got to go with The Conjuring for me. The Conjuring starting off with a strong vote. Jenna. You know, I'm going to keep it interesting. Um, I liked The Conjuring more than anything else that's come out of that franchise by a lot. Um, I like the, the Ed and Lorraine Warren story. That was cute. It was, it was, it was, it was the scariest movie out of that whole run of movies. They really should have stopped by now. But um, Hush, I'm going to defend because conceptually, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that done before. Um, it's a it's a deaf girl in a survival horror situation. It's a very um, real, credible outside threat. Um, it's kind of got that like Home Alone element to it where she's like, setting traps um you're really rooting for i was i was invested in that character i think i find hush to be like the more i think it's the better movie i'm gonna go hush 
we do like to keep things interesting. Um, coming up, Chris, I want to hear your thoughts. This one's actually interesting because um, The Conjuring is the highest rated of the James Wan films, uh, the horror films that had a female moderate protagonist. But I don't think it's the best. I think the Insidious is the better film, and I think Insidious... The, just the the boy dancing a little jig scene in that movie where the camera just slowly pans across and you see the ghost boy dancing and it's not scary at all but it pulls you out and goes what the hell did I just see is a better movie and I'm spending all this time talking about Insidious because The Conjuring isn't memorable Steven is going to go on a rant here in a few minutes about the Warrens and it's well warranted I'm not a huge fan of Hush Isabel and I talked about this because she's the one that added it on. She's the one that kind of said, hey, this might might deserve to be on the list. And I'm not a huge fan of Hush because I think Hush is a genuinely terrifying film for about 15 minutes. And I wish they would have pulled that a little bit longer. The, the part until she realizes she's being stalked is terrifying. But once John Gallagher kind of taps on the window and you know what's going on, it becomes a it becomes just like any other of those women's survival horror stories and it's mike flanagan who is responsible for in my opinion one of the three best scares of my life he in in the haunting on hill house there is a scare in episode 9 where i jumped out of my chair and went yelled holy shit at the television he's a good filmmaker he's a good producer and that first 15 minutes of hush is exactly what I want it to be. It's genuinely creepy. It's genuinely terrifying. And then it devolves into step-by-step procession of movies. Now, my wife is going to listen to this. Um, Babe, Michael Truco dies, and it's not a pretty death. Um, I know, big strapping guy, really good-looking, kind of wish I looked like him. No, definitely wish I looked like him, but I don't. Sorry, I'm me. Hush is still, to me, the more memorable film. The Conjuring... I don't maybe maybe it's just me. I don't get that style of filmmaking from James Wan. Uh, I would much rather watch Saw again. So or Aquaman or Fast Seven for some reason. But no, it's a uh, it's Hush. Move it along. Hush may be moving along, but first we need to hear from Steven. So when I saw this bracket, I thought this is going to be a really really tough match. It's going to be very hard for me to decide which one of these films I'm going to pick. Uh, and then I realized I was mistaking Hush for Don't Breathe. Um, and that made it very easy for me, because Hush, not that good a movie. Uh, Chris is right. The first 15 minutes, it's generally terrifying, because for the first 15 minutes, it's Wait Till Dark, a much superior movie, uh, which is pretty much the same thing, except the main character is blind, not deaf. Um, the Conjuring, yeah. The Warrens are complete shitheads that lied about everything and have demonstrably proven to be false again and again and again. They were conmen. They built people out of money. They are generally detestable human beings. The characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren in this movie are actually pretty likable people. They're actually pretty well betrayed, and The Conjuring is actually a really well-made film. It's generally scary to me. I love the clap-clap game ghost. Um, I sleep with my feet hanging out. Like, they jet out from the blanket, and that always freaks out my fiance because now she knows that if you leave your feet out from the blanket, the ghost is going to grab you and pull you, and she can't get that out of her head. Um, so, The Conjuring, not my favorite film. Fucking hate the Warrens. They're monsters. They're con men. They should not be heroes in anything. But the movie is generally well made, and it's the better film. So, The Conjuring gets my vote. Can I just throw out there that I'm really hoping the Warrens aren't especially litigious? 
Um, the opinions of Stephen Ford are strictly the opinions of Stephen Ford and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Boozy Bracketology podcast. They're lying to Glyertons who lie. Moving on. <laughs> so we have our second... Also, Timothy Dalton is the official best bomb. That's the official uh, uh, stance of the podcast. All right, Wish.com, hold on. So we have the second tiebreaker of the night. We have two votes for The Hush and two votes for The Conjuring. Minda, this is going to go to you unless anyone wants to throw in a buzzer beater. Chris is thinking... I don't know know what buttons to push to try and get Minda to vote my way, so I'm not going to. I thought I saw a hush with Mark Wahlberg, but then I realized that was just fear. And she wasn't deaf in that one. So there's like a lot of movies that fall in that thing. And I, I like The Conjuring. It, it kind of scares me. Again, I'm a baby. Like, I'm scared easy with this stuff. And, you know, the doll and everything. And I know that there's some clearly strong feelings about the Warrens here. But if they weren't real people, they'd be really good characters. You can't really deny that. And so I, I'm going to give it to The Conjuring. And just like that, the number 12 seed takes over the number five seed and the conjuring is moving on next up on the bracket we have the number four seed 2014's it follows against the number 13 seed midsummer from 2019 jenna start us off okay this is a tough matchup i wish that these two weren't facing off against each other because I did like It Follows, except for the ending. Um, Conceptually, so interesting. Really disappointing that they tried to electrocute it at the end. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, Unfairly, Midsummer is like a perfect movie. Um, I, yeah, that... It's a per- yeah, that's all. I've got more stuff. I'm going to save it because I know it's moving on. Midsummer. Confident vote for Midsummer. Chris. Uh, Midsummer is one of those movies that falls into that category I talked about earlier that I didn't necessarily put a movie into. It's a movie that you're just filled with dread watching it. There's no way it ends well. Like From the jump of that movie, there's no way it ends well. Once she convinces herself to go on her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend's trip, there's no way it ends well. Um, that movie is deeply unsettling to watch. It genuinely is an unsettling film. And Ari Aster, to be honest, the two movies of his I've seen, between that and Hereditary, they're both unsettling movies. One, Midsommar's got Florence Pugh, who's amazing. Uh, she has become one of the highlights between her, her turn in this. And that, honestly, shit, her turn in Little Women, the Greta Gerwig Little Women is phenomenal, and that movie is the best iteration of Little Women. I'm not taking arguments here. And then you look at It Follows, which is obviously a, an allegory, and that's fine. It Follows is a really, really good movie, as Jenna said, until the end, where it falls the hell apart. It just, it, it, it's... It feels like it went to 1979 horror movie film academy and said what's the dumbest possible ending you can come up with to try and get rid of this and they went with that whereas the ending of midsommar where she is crowned and you see florence Pugh's face just start laughing will not leave my head it's haunting i'm not a huge fan of feeling un 
just this unbridled dread in my heart. But there's something to be said for the fact that I won't forget that. As long as I live, I won't forget that. So Ari Aster, props to you. You gave me two movies I won't forget the endings of. Midsommar should move on. Two votes for Midsommar. Steven. Okay, I know I'm going to seem like a complete and total dunce here, and you're more than welcome to deride me and point out where I'm wrong. I just did not get Midsommar. Um, I, I don't understand why they don't leave 10 minutes into the situation. Uh, <laughs> at, at that point, when they say, yeah, this place is creepy, I don't know any of these people, they're trying to get me to take mushrooms I have no experience with, and then they're going to lock me in this weird communal setting, and it's, it's like, there are so many warning flags before anything goes bad. I, I can't, I, I don't get it. And I don't get the motivation for her at the end, why she wants to become the queen, what has changed in her life enough. Um... On the other side, It Follows has a much bigger flaw than just the ending. It Follows has the problem that it takes place in 2014. Once the main character realizes what's going wrong, all she has to do is hop on Reddit, and there will be a formula within 12 hours telling her who she needs to fuck and how often, and she'll never have to worry about the thing again. Like, some nerd is going to break that down for her and have an Excel formula. There's, there's no reason why this should be an issue in 2014. Like, she could literally take a flight to Australia because the thing fucking walks every other year. She could fly to Australia, fuck some dude, and then live her life. I, I don't I don't get this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to put my vote for It Follows because I genuinely do not like Midsommar, other than the cinematography. The cinematography is really good. But I generally don't like that. I don't think any of the characters' motivations really make sense. I don't get why any of them stay at that place. I mean, come the fuck on. And, like, there's no reason they can't leave at the beginning either. It's not, you know, they're not stuck there or anything. There's a car there, parked there. I saw them get out of the car. They can walk back to the car and drive away. So I'm voting for It Follows, despite the fact that a Reddit board could fix it. I am confused, but (laughs) that is a vote for It Follows. I feel a little dirty. Might need to go wash the front butt. Uh, Amanda, what's your thoughts on this? Well, he's not wrong. Like, there's some big flaws in both of the pathways of the storylines on both of the movies. I'm going to throw it to Midsommar because I visually, it was there for me visually. But otherwise, you know, he had, I can't really argue with those points because it's like, hey, we've all got the Google. So, but I like flowers. And with that, Midsommar is going to move on, which is possibly good because it follows seems confusing but isabel we want to hear your final thoughts on these two so one of the reasons why it follows would not work that hasn't already been mentioned is because where is this mythical pool that has electricity and clean water and built water in detroit this building with this pool inside of it it does not exist so for that reason and so they couldn't have electrocuted it because that wouldn't happen. And also Midsommar, as people have already said, is better. Um, it follows. To me, doesn't really have any rising action. It, the circumstance is the same. And as we have probably figured out by now, that's my pet peeve. So no, it follows for me. Yes, to Midsommar. Midsommar is moving on in preparation for this. I actually watched that trailer, too, and was confused why they didn't just sleep. But that brings us to the next matchup, which is your number six seed, 2019's Us 
versus your 11 seed, 2019's Ready or Not, Battle of the 2019 Before Shit Got Real. Chris, start us off. So if we're looking at what the better acted film is, it's us. If we're looking at what the better reviewed film is, it's us. Uh, Jordan Peele continues to be just a, a tour de force when it comes to horror movies. And it's not just get out in this. He he produced the new Candyman, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard is actually really solid. And Us is a, a really good movie for me until the end. And I still don't quite fully understand what happened at the end of that movie. Ready or not, for me personally, is just kinetic energy. It, it's completely nonsensical. It makes no sense whatsoever. Whereas I complain about us making no sense at the end. Ready or not is doesn't make any sense from the beginning to the end, except for the fact that you have a woman put into a an impossible situation. You want to see how it plays out. But she's a survivor. She's a freaking fighter. The same way that Lupita Nyong'o is in, in us. But Ready or Not makes it fun. Like, damn it, that movie's a lot of fun. And the end of that movie is a freaking blast. I love the ending to Ready or Not. And I, I, I love Samara Weaving. The babysitter is phenomenal. Uh, three, she was good in Three Billboards. She was good in Guts Akimbo. Um, and there's something else I've seen her in that's even bigger than all that, and I forget what it is. But Samara Weaving, I think, is going to be one of the next big actresses that, that's out there. And Ready or Not puts her charm and her ability to just be extremely likable on full display. Adam Brody's a dick in that movie, but you love Adam Brody. He's Adam freaking Brody. It's a more memorable film just for the ending. And I had a lot more fun watching it. I genuinely enjoyed watching Ready or Not. So, yeah, that's getting my vote. One vote for Ready or Not. Steven, did he get it right? That's actually kind of tough. Um, the best part about being a panelist on Boozy Bracketology is when you get a bracket like this, and you've seen most of the movies, but there's a handful that you haven't seen, so you got to watch them to make sure you're informed when you go through. A lot of times, those aren't the best movies because you didn't see them originally because they're you know a 16th seed. They got in there, but they're not that great, or they're one of Chris's favorites, and he's got terrible taste. But every now and then you find a film that you haven't seen that you have to watch for this that's actually really fun and uh, ready or not is one of those films like i had i wasn't even aware of that film somehow i just missed it and yeah it's just the most dangerous game plus bride so it makes less sense than the most dangerous game but it is a lot of fun it is really really fun um i think it came out around the same time as, uh, what was it, The Hunted, something like that. I forget what that other film's called. The Essentially Hunt. the same kind of thing. The Hunt um, with, uh, yeah, with, um, yeah, I can't remember her name. Go ahead, sorry. With uh, Liberty Bell. Um, yes. But yeah, essentially the same kind of film. Uh, I think, I think I like that one slightly more. I know, it's pretty close. Either way, ready or not, good film. I'm sorry I missed it because it would have been a lot of fun to watch in theaters back when we had full theaters and people could clap and laugh along. Um, all this to say that I am still going to cast my vote for us because there's just a lot more to us. Um, that there's not a lot of depth to ready or not. Fun. But us, I'm not going to say a lot about it here because I wasted a lot of time and it's, I believe, pretty obviously going to move on. So that's where I'm going to vote for now. 
and the confused host unchecks a vote for ready or not and puts it on us. <laughs> So one vote for us, one vote for ready or not. Minda, help me out here. Us. I thought about it, like, like I watched it, and I thought about it for a very long time after I watched it. I really love Jordan Peele. I love what he's doing with horror stuff. I love, you know, he's fronting the whole um, Twilight Zone, the new, the reboot of that. And I just have a lot of respect for that. And I that movie is creepy. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You're not wrong when you say the last scene is a little like, okay, but what? However, I was I was not bored the entire movie. You know, it was super creepy, and that's what we're talking about. So I'm throwing it for us. And one very clear vote for us. Thank you. You're welcome. I did that for you. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, Isabel, what are your thoughts on these? I'm going with us because, to me, it boils down to which is scarier, being attacked by yourself or being attacked by your family members. And we can all re- relate to being attacked by family members. And so being attacked by yourself, to me, is scarier. So, us. Us. And us is going to move on. But as always on Boozy Bracketology, we want to hear from all of our panelists. Jenna, final thoughts. You guys, we fucked up. Ready or Not is the better movie. Thank you. It's way over the top, but it makes sense. It's this uh, super saturated, bizarro scenario, but they actually do close the loop. Us is a nonsense movie. If you if you really, it's... He tried to do messaging-wise a lot of the same things that he did so much better in Get Out. And I don't know if a lot of us got lost on the cutting room floor, like if there were things that we didn't get to see that would have made it make some sense. But it just, it just like, it relied on that kind of atmosphere. It did that American Horror Story thing where it just relied on this ambient creepiness and just kind of this dread to carry it. And it didn't take the time to be a whole ass movie so yeah and yeah that puts another vote for ready or not but us is going to move on sometimes on boozy bracketology everyone makes hard choices (laughs) next up we have your number three seed a quiet place 2018 versus the number 14 seed you're next from 2011 Steven, you're going to start us off. Yes, I can't wait. I've got my popcorn ready. Fuck this fucking film. I fucking hate A Quiet Place. It is one of the dumbest, stupidest movies ever made. Where is the power coming from? How do they still have electricity after all this time? Where did all the fucking corn come from? Why do they grow so much corn anyway? They're subsistence farmers. If the monsters can't hear you when you're at the waterfall, live near the fucking waterfall. What are you doing with your lives? Nobody thought to shoot the monster when this thing opened up and the big red spot was there? Has no one ever played a goddamn video game in this universe? This is the dumbest 
dumbest, stupidest fucking movie ever made. And you know what's slightly dumber than that? A Quiet Place 2. How does the fucking plan even work in A Quiet Place 2? You're going to send a radio signal that can make the monsters there? How do they know to turn the radio? And who's going to know to turn to the station for that radio signal? How broad strike is that radio signal? It's not like it's going to broadcast very far. There's no fucking point to broadcasting because no one's going to have a radio. No one's going to know to turn to that radio station. No one's going to know to turn that to a monster. If you hear that squeak on the radio station, you turn the fucking radio off. You don't experiment with the monsters. What the fuck is going on? Why does anybody like these goddamn films? These are terrible, terrible, stupid films. They make no sense. None of the things they do in these films make sense. The world doesn't make sense. The monsters don't make sense. Why would the monsters invade a universe or invade a planet that's 80% water when they can't fucking swim? What is going on here? How does anybody like A Quiet Place? It is such a dumb, dumb movie. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is thought through. There is no world building going on whatsoever. This is a travesty that this film got a sequel. It's a travesty that this film got made. It's a travesty that this film appears on any list of anyone liking it ever. I don't care what it's up against. It could literally be a film of, it could put 50 Days of Sallow or a Serbian film up against A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place would not be the worst movie. A Quiet Place is terrible. What the fuck's it up against? You're next, 2001? Don't care. That gets my vote. You're next, 2001. A masterpiece compared to A Fucking Quiet Place. I don't think he likes it. <laughs> so I don't watch horror films because when the 1989 Burbs came out, I was way too young to watch that movie, and it has scarred me for life, and it was uncomfortable. And I have the same reaction after Stephen talking that I did with that movie. So, uh, one super extra mega vote for A Quiet Place, um, obviously. And, uh, Minda, would you have anything to add? I like A Quiet Place. You have Why do they have so much corn? I love it. I love it when people. There's no suspension of disbelief. Like in all the other things we've talked about, all this weird, wild demons, ghosts, monsters. We're gonna fixate on the fucking corn. I like *The Quiet Place*. It's a movie. It was fun. There, that's my vote. I mean, I'm being a little bit perverse here because he was just so emotional that you could actually hear the spit flying out of his mouth through the microphone. So. In my way, I have to vote for A Quiet Place. Causing some tension here on Boozy Bracketology, so that is one actual vote for A Quiet Place. Isabel! There is a nice um, father-daughter relationship in uh, A Quiet Place, and I I think that's worth mentioning. That's a positive. Um, But I'm going for your next, because I think it was relatable, and um, I know I said that you know, being attacking yourself is scarier than being attacked by your family, but being attacked by your family is still pretty scary, and there was a lot of family tension there until the outside forces showed up, and, uh, you know, they had to pull together or die, and I thought there was a lot of, like, subtle jabs in there that were darkly entertaining, so I'm going for your next. Your next picks up its second vote. Jenna, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The only reason anybody cares about A Quiet Place is because they tricked Emily Blunt into being in it. It was okay. There were, I I didn't even really think too much about the logical inconsistencies until my niece watched it too young and, like, was losing sleep over A Quiet Place and, like, 
to calm her down, her her mom explained that like it's a completely implausible movie because like you fart and your whole family's dead. That you know, how could we? And it came on the heels of like this whole run of movies where you couldn't use one of your senses. Like there was bird box. The bird box. Look yeah. at it. Um, there was um, don't speak where it can't. There wasn't like a don't smell it movie, and I really feel like we're owed that. Somebody should go back and make that. I'm going with your next. I'm a sucker for a survival horror situation. It was nothing special, but I liked it better. I'm gonna put down a vote for your next. Moving on, and everyone should watch out for 2020 2022's Roman Polanski's Smell It. Um, but Chris, <laughs> final thoughts on these two. I'd love to hear from you. Who's that? You, Chris. No. You. In my defense, I have been drinking. So, listen. I, so, go back to the Pub Trivia Experience podcast. Uh, we have every once in a while, we'll do a podcast dedicated to an individual movie where we will take the actual movie and write trivia questions based just on that movie. And the the pilot to this was the movie A Quiet Place. So if you want to know who got Stephen to watch A Quiet Place, it was us making that podcast and inviting Stephen on. And that's what led to the diatribe, so it had to be on this list. Uh, Emily Blunt's in the movie because her husband is the one that directed it. Uh, John Krasinski is the one she's married to. Um, The guy from The Office, Jim Halpert, is not actually married to Jenna Fisher, married to Emily Blunt. Lucky bastard. Um, In this case, like, I I do think I'm tainted by Stephen a little bit because of a couple years ago when we did that recording oh my god did he go off on it and he's right there are points that are just nonsensical and I think the the point that rings truest to me is why the hell don't you just live near the water they can't hear you there you're safe there they don't know to go there um, it's it's akin to uh, signs it's akin to hell go, it's, it's akin to freaking war of the worlds like the smallest things can kill them it's, it's, it's dumb they shouldn't be here I did not just call War of the Worlds dumb. It was advanced for its time, but storytelling has advanced since then. You're next, from a like a first kill standpoint, still made me jump. Like the first kill when they're sitting at the dinner table, and the first kill happens. Like I legit jumped. It was scary, and yeah, you can see the twist ending coming all coming from the mile away. You knew someone in the family was involved. Um. And even though she's not technically in the family yet, you kind of you knew what was going to come. You just didn't know who it was going to be. And it's this, it's the same thing. It's, you know, they're going to pull this taffy as long as they can until they have to explain it. And they're going to stretch this what should be like a 30 minute mini film into an a hour and a half long movie. It's what they did with your next. But it's still entertaining. The kills are actually entertaining as hell. Um, it's a really cool little hunting people movie and it's it doesn't it knows not to take itself seriously it doesn't try to be this uber serious like hush it wasn't this uber serious film it had fun with it um and that's okay in horror movies like you want to be entertained steven has ruined a quiet place for me but i I, even regardless of that i think your next is the better film because it did give me more of the oh my god did that just happen type of mentality The, the first death at the dinner table is Really freaking cool. And the ending is actually kind of fun. With that, the number 14 seed crushes the number three seed, A Quiet Place. Steven, you can breathe. We got something right here. 
the monsters just run towards the sound, so you could literally just monkey in middle of the monsters back and forth if you had a guy walking ten feet away from you all the time, too. It's, it's ridiculous! <laughs> okay, well, no, I hate it, too. So, good job. Uh, next up on the bracket, we have the number seven seed, Cabin in the Woods from 2011 versus the number ten seed with Hereditary from 2018. No pressure, Minda, but we had a hell of a first round this last time around. I know. No pressure, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm scared at this point. Like, I am a part of the horrified females of this bracket. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I like a good cult. I like some weird stuff, so I'm just going to say hereditary. Maybe it's boring, maybe it's basic, but that's where I'm going on that. I can stand by all things basic. It's Um, pumpkin spice season. I am one of those people. Uh, so, Isabel, let's hear from you. Um, I'm going to back that up. It's hereditary for me, too. I did like, and I do like Cabin in the Woods, but hereditary has more layers, and it's more complex, and the mom floats, and the dad really just, you know, he never quite got a grip, and that terrible scene where the little girl hits that post. That was, so... Hereditary. Hereditary. And excuse my uh, being naive here, but I I almost feel like the females in this group are a little less ginger snappy than some of the other members of the group. So, but we love to hear from them all. Jenna, let's hear your thoughts. We're going to end with the two gentlemen of the group. Okay. Hereditary on the basis of, of however they live cast that head. That was the best severed head I have ever seen. Um, I don't know how they did it or who did it. I should take the time to learn. But that was spectacular. Um, love a good head. It had some plot holes. There were elements of it that did not make perfect sense. And, like, even on a rewatch, it didn't, like, completely close the loop. And Cabin in the Woods was a good movie. It did that. It did that self-aware, you know, horror movie about a genre thing really, really well. Um, It was entertaining. I think, to me, it was more funny than scary in a lot of ways because it was just so self-aware. Um, but you gotta give it to Hereditary. That was uh, that was a well-executed movie, mostly. And with that, Hereditary is moving on, and the female-fronted horror movie voted on by the three females of this group. But we still want to hear from the two males. Chris, did they get it right? I don't know. Um, Hereditary is a tour de force for Toni Collette. She's a phenomenal actress. Uh, and the beheading scene. Oh, that poor girl. With the, you're, you're right. The, the poor girl. With the that scene is is um, unsettling. But it's an Ari Aster film. It's going to be that way. Uh, and I kind of feel like after watching Hereditary and then after watching Midsommar, like I need to just sit down and think of my life and think of my choices. And then I watched Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is an ode to the Evil Dead. If obviously because it's the same freaking cabin, you still go into the basement. And then it turns that genre on its head and it it introduces this entire backstory and it's got like when you get to the backstory, you don't really know what's going on until it kind of comes full circle 
and they start like pumping the pheromones, and they've got the the betting board of which one it's going to be, and all that. And they don't really introduce the stakes in this movie until halfway through, which to me is ingenious because up until that point, you're a little confused, but you're convinced that you're watching just this typical American slasher. And then the stakes come in and it goes from five people to literally everybody in the freaking world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Um, Ironically, at the end, at the end of the movie, they felt fine, but that jump in stakes was, was an insane jump to make. And Drew Goddard made it. Like The guy is a, a damn good... There's a reason Daredevil 1 is the best season of Daredevil because Drew Goddard was the showrunner. Drew Goddard knows how to tell a story. He's phenomenal. I love, love, love Cabin in the Woods. And I liked... I, I do love Hereditary. But sometimes when I'm watching a horror movie, I want to be genuinely entertained. And Cabin in the Woods did that to to an extent that no other movie on this bracket did. When those there's the elevator scene. Once those elevators open, and you all know what's coming, but when you see the carnage that's about to come out, you just can't help but smile. When freaking uh, Josh Lyman, uh, the actor, what's his name? Um, Bradley Whitford. When Bradley Whitford gets eaten by a merman, you can't help but smile because that's funny as hell. And it's still a little bit scary. And Chris Hemsworth is Chris Hemsworth. He's great. But the female lead, I don't even know her name because I don't really see her in much since then. But damn it, she's like the only one that actually gets what's going on. And she's the one that makes the ultimate decision at the end to just let the world end. To me... That movie is way more memorable than Hereditary. I will watch that movie many more times than I will Hereditary. I can't argue that Hereditary is moving on. It's, it's, a, it's a shocking film. It's a great film. It's a phenomenal lead performance. But for me, Cabin in the Woods. And that's one vote for Cabin in the Woods, and I feel like I knew that about you. So, Steven, we still want to hear your thoughts. What you got, my friend? Uh, so between Midsommar and Hereditary, Hereditary is a much better film. I think that a lot of things they might have been swinging for and just did not land for me in Midsommar kind of hits a little better in Hereditary. It's still a bit of a mess, if you ask me. Some motivations don't quite work out right. Um, still a terrific-looking film. I will say that about the director. Both of those films look great. I have no complaints about the cinematography. Um Cabin in the Woods, though, uh, it does the self-referential humor. That's kind of what it's known for. But it's actually much smarter than that because it asks the question, why do we like horror movies? And the answer is, or at least the text tells us the answer is, is that they're such an essential part of us that if we don't tell the horror movies, if we don't get the catharsis of telling them, the world falls apart that these stories are actually very important. And even though, yeah, they're formulaic, and yeah, you kind of go into them knowing what's going to happen, Monster Guy, Survivor Girl, all that, there's still a high enough importance to them that the world would not be the same without them. So Cabin in the Woods, I actually think, works because it's a way smarter film than it ever gets credit for. And it works on several levels. It's good comedy. There are generally scary parts, although not super scary, but it's a good think thought piece about what horror movies is, and more importantly, why we enjoy horror movies. Because the world's not complete if we don't get the catharsis 
of going through a horror movie with those characters. So, um, I, yeah, I, I can't complain about Hereditary because it is probably closer to what the ideal, you know, horror movie with a strong female character. But I'm going to cast my vote for Cabin in the Woods because I genuinely think it's a smart film. Cabin in the Woods did make a comeback, but not quite enough. Hereditary is moving on. And this brings us to our last matchup on this side of the bracket. It's your number two seed, A Girl Walks, a Ho- a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, versus the number 15 seed, The Final Girls. And Isabel, we're going to start this one off with you. I'm picking A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And I could talk about the, um, the pacing, the rising action, the scene cuts, and the black and white filming but what i really want to talk about is the weird dancing and she dances all weird in her apartment and then he dances all weird in his and it just doesn't get any better than that so a girl walks home alone at night love it when things get weird and a girl walks home alone at night takes its first boat jenna a girl walks home alone at night i am not a subtitle person I am a Philistine. It is really hard to get me to watch a movie with subtitles, and I love that movie. Um, very, I, I mean, it, I don't even know how it got. It's, like, culturally important, gorgeously shot, lovely contrast, and, like, conceptually subtle, but it does a lot with a little. I really like that movie. Um, I don't remember Final Girls. That's two votes for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Chris? These are two movies I hadn't seen up until the last uh, three weeks. I-, I had never seen either one of them. Um, I actually really related to Tessa Formiga's character in The Final Girls because I lost my mom recently, and there wouldn't there is nothing I wouldn't give to even spend a fraction of time with her, even if it's in that, that kind of jaded reality. There isn't anything I wouldn't give to kind of do that. Uh, the Final Girls, I think, is actually it's a really fun movie. It's genuinely entertaining. Um, it takes the whole who is the good girl, who is the final girl trope and kind of turns it on its head. And then you look at the cinematography of it and there are camera angles and transitions that I haven't seen literally in anything else. And it's in this lower budget horror movie that are amazing. That movie is genuinely a lot of fun. But I go back to the words of Mark Bernardin, who's a, a film a filmmaker and a screenwriter, and he tells me what he says is that there are movies. Every time you watch a movie, the movie has to teach you how to watch it. The movie has to teach you exactly what to look for. And the first time I watched The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I was I had it on while I was doing other things, and I didn't care. And I realized that wasn't fair. It had to be this highly rated for a reason. So I stopped it. I rewinded all the way back to the beginning. Or not rewind. I hit back, back, back on my Amazon Prime. But I went back to the beginning of the movie. And I I actually sat down and watched it. And about 10 minutes in, you get it. About 10 minutes in, you understand what the story is going to be. You understand that it's telling the story of a horror movie set in Iran. It's obviously an American film. But it's set in Iran. And it's bringing in cultural impacts that you don't necessarily understand, but you don't need to understand because it's telling a very, very basic yet important story. And it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's still kind of amazing. 
when it comes to a movie that's going to stick with me longer, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is going to stick with me a lot longer because it actually taught me something about filmmaking as a whole and is a damn good horror film. And the woman that plays the, the vampire, she's just so damn likable. So, no, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is going to move on. Steven, we still want to hear from you. Oh, Steven, uh, the mute button's uh, right there, buddy. I hit the damn button. It was the Skype that was messing up. Um, so, first of all, I want to say I want to thank the director of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night for looking into the future and seeing that we're going to do this podcast and making a film specifically for it. The <laughs> uh, Final Girls, it's trying to be Cabin in the Woods, but it's not because it doesn't have that subtext I was talking about earlier. Uh, it is fun. Uh, there is some good editing and things in it, but um, it, it's not memorable. Uh, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is, first of all, beautiful film because black and white cinematography is just inherently more interesting to look at than color cinematography because you can do much more with contrast and lines and, and things like that. Um, just think about how subversive the title alone is, setting it in an Iranian city. I believe it's a fictional Iranian city, but a girl walks home alone at night. That's something that in and of itself, if you're an Iranian audience, and I know it's actually an American film, it, that's, you know, anyone who's watched 90 Day Fiancé knows what it's like to be a girl in a Muslim country. It's very, very dangerous, and the people on that show are very, very stupid. Um, but no, <laughs> a girl walks home alone at night is a great film. It is genuinely interesting. It's got new ideas. It's one that deserves to be talked about as one of the seminal horror films. It should be the film that everyone's trying to copy right now. Currently, everyone's still trying to copy um, Get Out. We should move on and start trying to copy this one, because it's a better film, a smarter film, a beautiful-looking film with a really still unique voice, um, and everyone needs to go see it. A lot of love for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It, it, is this going to be a sweep, Minda? Absolutely. Sweep all the way. It is a beautiful movie. It's got something to say, and it's it's unique in that way, and I'm giving it to it. And we round out the night with a sweep. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night knocks out the number 15 seed of the final girls. That's going to do it for us here at Boozy Bracketology. We want to thank you for listening to the female-fronted horror movie bracket as we narrow it down from the 2000s and 2010. I'm going to take it over to my friend Chris to talk about the socials. Yeah, hey, so you can find us on Facebook, The Lounge, fans of Boozy Bracketology and the Pub Trivia Experience. Flip that, fans of the Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology. On Instagram, Boozy Bracketology. On Twitter, at Boozy Brackets. Patreon.com slash PTEBB is your exclusive home for all of our bonus content. Uh, literally, for the Boozy Bracketology podcast and the Pub Trivia Experience, if you like what you're hearing here, you're gonna wanna, you're not going to want to miss the Boozy Revisited show that's going to happen there each and every month where we're going to reveal and talk through the previous month's bracket and what we got right and what we got wrong. Before we sign off, I want to go ahead and just pass this over to Minda real quick and then over to Isabel to tell you about their podcast and their uh, their books that they write as well, because if you're liking this, I guarantee you're going to like what they have to say. So, Minda, take us away. 
All right. Please check out Dead Girls Talking Podcast. I'm a mortician. My co-host Jenna is a forensic gal. We're both comedians, and our show is pretty fun. Um, we catch us. Where can they catch us, Jenna? Oh, you can catch us on Spotify or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. We're also on the Facebook, the Instagram, and we love hearing from you. If there's anything you want to hear that's weird, anybody you want us to interview, send us an email at deadgirlstalkingtoyou at gmail.com. That's deadgirls. That's number two, and the letter U. Yep. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for having us on your show. All right. And Isabel, tell our listeners about what you write and kind of clue them into what they're going to be getting into when they purchase an Isabel Drake book. Hi, I'm Ismail Drake. Um, if you like horror, you might want to check out my books, Servant of the Undead and Mistress of the Undead. Um, they are female zombies in there that capture men and use them as sex slaves. And it's, um, they have a sex cult because that's what zombies do. And um, my zombies look appealing and attractive as long as they get what they need. So they are not, you know, their skin's not rotting, they're not green, and they're not slow walking. So they look just sexy and interesting like i said as long as they get what they need everything's fine i also write uh, sweet romance and erotic romance and young adult and some other suspense so um i've got a lot check me out on amazon on my author page and you can find me as isabel drake on all the socials thanks for having me always a pleasure sarah back to you Thank you so much. And I do, I want to take a moment just to thank our special guests this evening. Um, And I got to say, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't break down this bracket for you. So real quick, what is moving on? Babadook knocks out. Happy Death Day. The Witch, Vavavitch, takes out Invisible Man. The Conjuring, the number 12 seed, knocked out Hush. Midsommar, the 13 seed, is moving on. Us. In a, a weird victory that I marked down incorrectly, knocked out ready or not, Quiet Place got no love, and you're next, taking that spot. Hereditary knocks out Cabin in the Wood, and a commanding sweep with A Girl Walks a Home at Light takes out the final girls. Again, I want to thank our guests tonight. I have been your drinking beer host, Sarah. I've been Steven, reminding you that to plant that much corn, you'd have to use a tractor or a beast of burden, both which make too much noise. I'm Minda from Dead Girls Talking. Thank you so much for having us. It was really weird. I'm Isabel Drake. Thanks for having me, and thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Jenna, also from Dead Girls Talking. Thank you so much. It's been fun. And I'm Chris. It's been a blast. We will see you next episode. Have a good one.